right, welcome to episode 125. And I'm here with Liz Rose. And you've been a bit of a unicorn for this because I really haven't approached you or Hillary Lindsay or Lori McKenna. And you three are collectively known as the love junkies because I don't know. It's like you have someone that you really look up to. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to buy all, all three of you. It's like, I don't want to bother them. Hillary. And then you and I were at the softball game this past weekend, and you said, hey, I'd like to do a Bobbycast, and I said, I will call you Monday. And we and call Monday, did. and then two days later, you're here. Yeah. So I'm really happy that you came in. I'm a, I'm a genuine fan. Well, I'm a fan of yours. I, it's like, it, it, because it's so, it's so different on my side, because I look at these things, and I go, why doesn't he ask me? Does he not like me? What did I do? What's, what's the deal? Why didn't he ask me? So when I saw you, I was like, I want to do that because I, I know you and you're so approachable and you're so sweet. So I thought, I'll just say it. He'll either say, he'll make an excuse or he'll go, yeah. <laughs> and for me, I go, I just don't want to bother Liz. She's writing songs. She's got a publishing. I just don't want to bother her. So maybe this is how my whole life has been with girls, Mike. Maybe if they really want me to ask them out and I haven't. Yeah. And maybe I just should do it. Just go this for it. Constant. Absolutely. I mean, struggle. It's, it's a little bitty word. Like, all they can do is say no. Yeah, but they do. Yeah, they but do. Then, yeah. Well, you yeah, know. Yeah, they do say that. Yeah, but... I was thinking a minute ago that... I, I was thinking about subjects of songs, because you were coming in, and I was thinking what we were going to talk about. And I was thinking about subjects of songs, and I was thinking to myself, I think that would be a really cool series to talk to people who have been the subjects of songs. Because I've never even thought about that, nor have I ever heard that. Because what came to my mind was, hey there, Delilah... And I like to talk to Delilah, you know, uh, from Plain White Tees. Hey there, Delilah, what's yeah. it like? New? This whole song gets up about her, and it's massive. I've had a couple songs written about me from a couple different artists. And for me, it, that story really hasn't permeated, but it's weird. Carly Pierce is what, I guess, triggered it all. She was at the CMT Awards, and she won for a new video. Uh-huh. And she was talking about the guy that broke her heart. And I'm going, this guy has been just dragged through the mud. Yeah. Over and over again, not only is the song playing over, and I like Carly, uh, but Carly keeps going, thanks for breaking my heart. I yeah. Mean, that's got to be a weird thing to be the subject of a song, huh? Yeah. I, I don't think any, I don't know if anybody's ever written a song about me. I, I, it, it, I don't know. But if you're I, in I a room it, and, and you're, you're going, and someone's, you're working with an artist, okay? And they, they are like, I want to write this song about this person. Do you delicately like tiptoe around speaking? specific things no you no don't. you dive in i mean there are things you don't say if I, I, you know but if if uh yeah you got to you got you have to write the truth and if they want to write about it then they've got to tell the whole truth and um you know and then if you don't want anybody to you know then you have to just go oh i'll just make out of a song you know but um that's my favorite thing to do i mean i you know i like to go well you got a boyfriend are you getting along you know, or, or is your heart broken? Let's talk about it. Because that's, I think that's where the, the heart comes from, is digging in and making people tell you the truth. So let me give you an example okay. of a bit on the other side of that. So I, I wrote the uh, first book that came out a couple years ago, and I was writing about my ex-girlfriends and some relationships that I had. And I told the exact story, but I renamed them. I named them Betty Boop. And named So I gave them... Yeah, but they know who they are. They do, but I didn't want people... To go to because they didn't ask for it, they didn't ask me to write about them, and so that for me was a very delicate thing. Does that ever pop up in your mind? Like this person didn't ask for it, but but we're we're making a run at them. 
Well, remember, I wrote with Taylor Swift for years, so, <laughs> you know, she didn't care. She just let them have it, you know, whoever it was. But I, I don't know. You know, I have um, I, I made that those song, that record a couple years ago, and one of the songs on there is called Ex-Husbands. And so when we wrote it, it was, um, you know, I just, we just fell into it, and I just kind of told the stories. And then later, I got a couple of messages saying, you know, which one of these guys am I from, from exes? <laughs> and, and I just kind of had to say, well, you know, it was just, it was just made up, you know, you're a little bit of all of you and all of it. Um, that was a little awkward. Yeah, I think, but from, that's what we do. I know. I know. I was thinking about it before you got here, but I think that would be a pretty fascinating series. If I could talk to people who've had songs written about them yeah. and how, it's kind of got to become a thing in their life. Like they're just known as that person now, especially if they didn't have any notoriety to begin with that. Yeah. That's a little, um, it's, that's a little unfair, but you know, I mean, I, the Carly Pierce situation, that guy works in town still. Oh, see, I, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, Jillian Jacqueline, didn't she write her last song? Like wasn't uh, hate me. Oh, yeah. It's about, you know, Jillian, that's about her boyfriend before this guy. And I'm just going, I like to talk to these dudes. Yeah, and, and do you think people find out that somebody's not in love with them anymore when they hear a new song? That's a bit what I'm, I feel like I may <laughs> encounter. You know, it's like, oh, where did that song come from? Yeah. Oh, it was my co-writer. Yeah, know? yeah, it was, that, it's, <laughs> it was actually his story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, we just make these things up. When you came to the door, I had Cry Pretty in my head, which, mm. you know, which is Liz's last song, Carrie Underwood, Cry Pretty. And I really Still wasn't going to sing it to you when you walked up to the door, Yay. but it was, when you were coming in, I was going, oh, you sure will cry pretty. It just stays in my head. Cry pretty. I mean, what about this one here, she's huh? She's amazing. I, it, it, she's so amazing, and um, I, I just, you know, Hillary and Lori, and, and Hillary's so close to her, so it was just, it was just a, it was a gift. I mean, it was just a, it was a gift. I know that you have a lot of rights and a lot of rooms, and it's tough to remember specific rights and what happens in a room. But do you remember sitting with Carrie for this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, some. Yeah, yeah. We we re- I think we wrote a couple of songs, and um, I just remember how um, I, I had never met her and or, or written with her, and it, it was just so amazing to watch her and Hillary and and the way they work and and. Um, what a great writer Carrie is. Really? Oh, yeah. She's 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 fantastic. She knew exactly what she wanted to say. It was really it was really. I was just blown away. Whenever they say, "Hey, we're going to write for Carrie," because Carrie had been off the map for a bit, I'm assuming she because I, I don't know the timeline when the song was written. Was it written before she went away? Yeah. So it was written. It was written on. Yeah, it was written. Yes. It was written before she went away or while she was gone. It was written before she went away. Okay, so you're writing with Carrie, and you know it's probably for the next project. But at the time of the write, you don't know if it's going to make it on the record, much less be a single, right? No, you don't know. You don't know that. You don't plan it. I was just, um, I was just so excited to be in 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 a room with her, you know, and be part of that. And uh, you know, I I you just don't think about that. We write so many songs, and and you just hope that. This sticks, you know, you hope, well, you know, she's, she's a great writer and she writes a lot. So, you know, you just, 
write the best song you can and write what's in the room and write what, what everybody wants to write. And, and you just wait it out. And we were, we were, we were, we were blown away. That's gotta be kind of a lottery ticket that far back because what I've learned from having a lot of friends that are writers and just from, you know, piddling around a bit writing myself is that the longer you write, the more you like the stuff you just recently wrote. Uh, you know, I, I could say that if I played a lot and if I was a, you know, but for me, I'm doing so many things and I'm so busy and I write so much that I really write the song and then move on. And so it's a great, big, wonderful surprise when somebody cuts a song. I'm like, what? You know, it's like um, the new Kenny thing that's coming out. I have a song on there that I wrote years ago. Really? Years ago. So how does that end up making its way all the way back around? Because he heard it when we wrote it. I wrote it with Travis Meadows. It's called Better Boat. And uh, Kenny had it on hold uh, year, years ago. I mean, I can't even... I can't even tell you, eight, seven, six, I, I don't know, years ago, which, which is the mark of a great song that will hang in there like that. And Kenny loved it. It just never worked for the projects as he would do records. And he's so amazing that he hung on to it. And it happened to absolutely work for this project. So I just saw the track listing yesterday. <laughs> Like, oh, Whenever you see the track listing, that's kind of <laughs> it, right? Like it's it's a bit permanent once they announce it's on. And I don't go looking for it either. I usually have to get a text from somebody that says, "Have you seen this?" So then I go, "Okay," you know. Like I don't watch the charts and I don't look for things like that because I just, you know, I don't give me the good news, the good news, or give me the bad news later, or just don't give it to me at all. You <laughs> mentioned, record comes out and I'm not on there. You mentioned you don't play an instrument. Which is a bit rare for songwriters in town, even yeah. even a bit. I'm know? I'm learning. I'm I'm learning guitar. I'm, Are you? I'm, I'm practicing. Yeah. You have an unorthodox way of getting into music, which is you didn't start writing until your thirties. Mm, yeah, thirty, almost forty. So, what was that story? How did you kind of get immersed into songwriting then? I my kids went to school. We were here. I wanted a job. A, a publisher hired me as a song plugger. I didn't know what that was. I met somebody at a party. So a song plugger, someone who just pitches songs, pitches right? songs, yeah. yeah. And he liked my personality, and he hired me, and um, I did that for a little while, and kind of started my own publishing company, not knowing what I was doing. So you're plugging songs, and that means you're going to places, going, "This is this artist mm-hmm. or this writer." He's like to pitch this song to you. Did you have any big songs that you remember plugging? Did you have any big successes? Uh, do you remember John Barry changed my mind? I do. Yeah, that was mine. Um. Uh, Jason Bloom wrote it, and uh, AJ, I'm I'm the worst at names. I'm sorry, AJ. Um, but um, to this day, Jason will put it in a book or tell me, you know, you changed my life because you got that song cut. I was like, really? And now I know how that feels, you know. Um, that uh, were you super good at it? Is that why you thought I can do this? I, I, well, I was lucky as an independent plugger that some big songwriters like Kent Blasey and Will Robinson and Jason Bloom let me have their catalog, which helped me get indoors because nobody knew me. So I would use their name. I've got a new Kent Blasey song. Would you have a meeting with me? So that's how I got to know everybody. And I, I think I was pretty good at it. Um, I'm trying to think of other songs. Uh, Faith Hill, I Love the Way You Love Me. 
How do you know? I was part of that pick. Come on. That's a massive one. Yeah. And and it was with um, another guy. You know, I I was working at that company and we went over and pitched it. So I say that I was part of it, you know, because I was there. And um, I can't, you know. And then there's just songs you, here and there. That, it must feel like that it comes to you so naturally that you want to stay. Not only you want to stay in the business, but you want to take the next step up. Yeah, but I don't think about the next step. I fall on the next step. I mean, it's kind of like I was pitching songs. I was worshiping songwriters. You know, I love songwriters and artists. And and um, I had this, you know, some. I, I ended up open, starting a publishing company, King Lizard. And started one of the writers there, um, Kim McLean, asked me if I wanted to write a song. You know, she's like, you should try writing a song sometime. We started writing. We got a, you know, Trisha cut. And, Did you and feel it was pretty easy? No, I didn't think it was easy. I knew how hard it was. I was, I, and I really attribute it to, I got lucky to write with a professional writer. I didn't, I got to, I got to skip a lot of steps that songwriters have to go through. You know, I, I didn't, um, I was lucky that I got to write with great writers from day one, you know, and, and because I was around them. So, uh, we got a couple of cuts. That company closed. It sold. Jody Williams was buying it. He heard some of her songs. He was going to sign her as a writer. He called me and said, I've heard some of these songs and I think you're a songwriter. And I was like, no, I'm not. And he goes, yeah, you're a songwriter. I was like, no, I'm not. And he was like, yeah, I want your songs. I want to sign you to a publishing deal. And I was like, this is crazy. If if people find out, they're going to think this is just, it was, I, I was really scared. I mean, I was writing under the name of Gracie Sheridan. Why? But I just didn't think that song, if, if the labels heard it, they would go, oh, now Liz Rose is going to be a songwriter. I, you know how that is. I mean, I know Bart Butler went through it too. I mean, we just, you're, you're known to them as one thing. And then, and I sure never pitched my own songs. That's why I was, I was, I was a really good song plugger. I could have pitched my own songs, but I was so scared that people would think I was such a fraud. So I, so I gave all my publishing to Jody and signed a deal and he made me be a songwriter. Wow. Well, we're going to talk about you getting into songwriting. First, I want to talk about sleep number for just one second. If you've been listening to this podcast or even to the radio show, then you know how much my sleep number bed has improved my quality of sleep. Now, I'm not actually going to talk to you about the bed right here. I'm going to talk to you about something called the dual temp individual layer, and it is quite innovative, smart, effortless, cooler or warmer you decide. You just add the dual temp layer to either side of the bed and sleep up to 35% cooler or warmer. The dual temp layer can be added to any mattress brand. It doesn't have to be a sleep number bed. Select from multiple temperatures, boop, with the touch of a button just like that. Really, you take it, you lay it on the bed, and warmer or cooler, it's got you like 35% more or less. My sleep number setting is 30. My sleep IQ score last night was in the 90s. Finally, the blissful cooling comfort that you deserve at a comfortable price. Go on and feel the temperature difference for yourself. You'll only find the dual temp layer at sleepnumber.com or any of the 550 Sleep Number stores. Go to sleepnumber.com slash bones. Find the store near you. Okay, so here you are. You're, you start songwriting at how old? Uh, about 38. It's a whole new career. 
I did. I, for me back then, I was raising. I was a single mom, so I had I had a, a kid in college, and I had two little girls. And if somebody said, "I'm going to pay you X amount to do this," I said yes, and I figured out how to do it mm. because I was just paying the bills. You know, never dreaming that I would make enough money to really live on or retire on. I just I just thought, okay, there's a little bit of extra money each month. I'll do this. Um, so that's kind of how I, I never looked at the big picture cause I knew the big picture was not great. I mean, I, I worked with songwriters, um, but I didn't care. I was, I had a publishing company and I was writing songs and I had this thing over here and I mean, I just kept moving. I just keep going. I was on a flight once. I think it was from maybe Texas to Nashville and I was getting off the flight. This is about five years ago. And the person I was with said, hey, do you know that was behind you? I said, I did not. She goes, that's the one who wrote all the songs with Taylor Swift. <laughs> and I said, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. And so I saw you then, and I thought, huh, you know, how about that? This, that's cool. I didn't, I didn't, at that time, I didn't know many songwriters. I hadn't really got into the world yet of having yeah. friends that make their living by creating and either putting it out themselves or giving it to other people. And so now I remember back to that flight, and first of all going, why is the – the woman who wrote all the songs with Taylor Swift flying Southwest. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> because I love Southwest. I do too. I love Southwest too. And people give it a hard time. But do you feel like that's been phase maybe two of your identity? The Taylor Swift? Because now I, did, I know you as Liz Rose from, as a writer more from the Love Junkies than I do the Taylor Swift stuff. But I wonder where that falls into your phases in, your, in the creative part of your life. It's funny because um, my first phase was uh, songs about rain and I was getting Leanne Womack cuts and Trisha Yearwood cuts and um, I had a certain thing that I did that everybody really, really loved, which is why Taylor started writing with me. And what was that thing? And just the, I, I don't know, I think it was the, the pictures, the descriptive, if, if I... Um, I, I, I learned how to do it and I, and I, and I was pretty good at it just writing those pictures. And so I think that she heard, and then she heard me sing a couple of those songs and asked me to write. So, um, my first phase was really songs about rain. You know, I, I felt like I was, everybody thought I was, oh man, she's cool. She's writing with Pat McLaughlin and they're writing, you know, songs like that. And then the Taylor thing happened, and um, it was no different. I just, you know, it was like my second or third right of on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. I can't remember. So I just did it. This, this girl showed up. She came in with a melody and an idea, and she was exciting and excited, and it was an hour and a half, two hours. And I just kept doing it, never really thinking about that. But when it really blew up, I was – I can remember people going, why are you writing with a 14-year-old? And I said, well, because she comes in and it's easy and it's fun. You know, I love listening to her stories. So I, I caught, I, once it blew up, you know, everybody was like, wow, I can't believe you were so smart to do that. I just did it because I like doing it. So that was a phase because suddenly I was the person that wrote songs for 16-year-old girls. <laughs> and... Um, I had to go through a lot of, um, explaining to people that that was not me. It was Taylor. And so, um, and it was real easy to kind of lean back 
during those years, <laughs> you know? Um, and then I kind of had to like really hit it to, to get that, to, to go, okay, but I can do this and to I can do this. And I, yeah. And so crazy girl went in the ACM that year, um, kind of, it, that, that helped a lot. And then girl crush for me, um, and, and perception wise, it didn't go, Oh, the Taylor Swift thing is off. It's just like, it just added to it, you know, um, that the, the Taylor Swift years will always be part, a huge part, you know, of what I did and do, you know, if she called me right now, I'd go, you know, um, but do you, do you feel like the Taylor stuff that you try to get a, a bit away from that now? Is it the first thing brought up everywhere? Cause again, I don't really know you as Taylor, the Taylor writer. I know you as the, the love junkies writer. Well, I don't try and get away from it because I'm really proud of it. It's it's a huge part of my life and my career. And I and a lot I had a career before, but my career is, you know, it will always be connected to having those Taylor songs and I'm really proud of them and I and I never, you know, I I, I just I was so lucky, you know. Um and we wrote such great songs. Um, so I don't try and get away from it. What I do, what I do try and do, and I don't always, is that I, I continue to get people that want to interview me and want, and they, they start talking and then they don't want to talk about anything but Taylor. And I'm like, that was kind of 10 years ago. And I'm not going to give you information on Taylor. I don't have oh, any. So they're digging for they're Taylor. They're digging info. for Taylor and they're trying to make like, this is not what we're doing, but they try and make their story you know they're they're whatever they're doing is is they can you know highlight taylor's name in it you know what i'm saying well to be fair i think people just want clicks the same way the songs want plays and if they're chasing a click you yeah. know, kind of story what's the best headline to put in yeah. there but and, and i just wonder that about you if, if so many people are coming to you to get the clickbait stuff to go it's not even clickbait like it's interesting you know the fact that you know, Taylor Swift was playing Tim McGraw the, the first time Amy met her at our radio station. Like, you wrote that with Taylor, mm-hmm. right? Didn't you write Tim yeah. McGraw together? Yeah. I mean, when you sit down and write a song about an artist, again, we're talking about writing about personal, about people, about people. That had to be weird to get that to Tim, right? You know. Is it so long ago? It, no, I, I can. It's funny. I, 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 she was just sincere. She said, I want to write a song called When You Think Tim McGraw. And I thought. Okay, I mean, you know, if you don't cut it, nobody nobody's going to cut it. But okay, you want to write it? It's your song. These are your songs. Let's just do it. And I just didn't overthink it. And, you know, that's that's what I did with her. I just didn't overthink it. I felt like she was writing her songs, and I let her. And that's why it worked between us. And so I thought, God, that's so nervy, you know. It's like, okay. Um, and then she, you know sang it to Tim McGraw. It was crazy. I remember seeing that awards show, I think, when yeah. she sang it. That, is that cool for you? Yeah. I, I was just so proud of her. I was I was always like a proud mom with her, you know, anything, you know, just because she always reinvented the wheel, as she still does. I'm going to get over to Crazy Girl in just a second. Uh, Tim McGraw, Picture to Burn, Teardrops on My Guitar, Fearless, White Horse, won a Grammy for that one, You Belong With Me All Too Well. Then you come into my life as... One of the the power three, this group that gets together, all three of you individually are super strong, but it's like the Avengers, right? Like the the, the <laughs> Avengers of songwriting, 
And so I think when you and I first met was Girl Crush. Yeah. Whenever, because I, I thank was, you very I, much well, for just, everything you did. Again, in the same way that you're saying you just showed up, I just thought the song was good, and I thought people weren't giving it a fair shot. I didn't know there was this magical message that people would love and or <laughs> there was just nothing except I think this is a good song and I thought people were getting pissed for no reason whatsoever yeah I think I, I, I agree with that so there was I didn't go oh I'm about to shake it up with this yeah. at all there wasn't three steps ahead but I heard this song and this is how it really happened is I was in New York and it was right before their album came out I was with Little Big Town and I was talking to Kimberly and Karen, which is always the case. I was talking to those two. And I said, hey, I know uh, Day Drink is about to go number one. And the record's not out yet. It's about to come out the next day. I said, this Girl Crush song is awesome. I'm going to play it tomorrow. It wasn't a single in any way. Yeah. No, we, they said maybe the fourth, I think, which means never. <laughs> which they may be telling that to everybody. Yeah. On every song. And so I played it and I saw the reaction of people. And my people, it was all like, wow, what a great song. And I, it, it shot that morning to number two on iTunes. Amazing. And again, I went, oh, wow. Like, people really are showing me what they like. And that's what I try to do. I try to follow what my people tell me they like. I try to predict trends. But I also try to watch my people and see what they're liking and try to give them. You know, it's like when people know our internet, what we want to see based yeah. on what we've seen. I mean, isn't that how it was supposed to be? Isn't that how radio sh- was, I don't, you know, was st- started? I mean, I don't really understand your business. I don't either. And I think that's why I've been, <laughs> I don't understand I'm an mine. outcast. Yeah. <laughs> and I play it and then I play it some more. What my company does is they do re- they go, Oh, people are complaining. They really weren't to me, but so they tested it. They did research on me and the song together. And so they put it in all, what they do is they put it on the, on this computer. Right. And they say, okay, listen to it. And they, people put headphones on and they tell us your reaction. And I'm talking about the song in like three different breaks on the air through three days. And you can, you have a knob. And you turn the knob down if you don't like it. You turn it up if you do like it. And so the research was all over the place. And, but it consistently at the end was up after I kind of told the story. Right. And so they were like, hey, you know, you do you. You know, which was, they've been able to tell me that a lot over the years. I've messed up a lot, but I have pretty good batting average. And I said, I really believe in this song. Well, then Emily Yar from the Washington Post called me and said, hey, I'm about, you know, what's happening? She was listening to the show, and Kimberly and Karen were in just those two. And I was like, why isn't we playing this song? It's, it was pissing me off. And so she heard that segment, did the story in the Washington Post, interviewed me for it. I asked her, don't put me up front because I don't want this story to be about me. And she started with a, a DJ in like Iowa or something in the story. And boom, controversy like crazy. <laughs> and it's the greatest thing. If there's nothing illegal, it's the controversy is the greatest I thing. I know, it is. It is. So you got to tell me, when the song first starts, to, and I'm playing it a little bit, you know, that... You're like, huh, I wonder what's happening here, right? Did you think there was some life maybe earlier than they had said? Yeah, we were really, we were excited. And what was weird was that 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 happened and you were playing it. And then a couple of people called to do articles on the record, but they wanted to just, they just wanted to talk about Girl Crush. And so we were like, okay, well, we wrote a cool song and like, you know, Shane McAnally was texting and going, oh, my God, this song. And, and we had other writers. And, and that's the other thing. When you when your peers start texting you and talking about telling you how great your song is, you go, oh, okay. So we just thought we had a cool song that would never be a single. Um, but we were happy with the cut. We were blown away with the cut. You know, we didn't, uh, you know, it was we just couldn't believe what a great job they did on it. 
So when the controversy thing came up, we were like, what? Well, we never even, we never even had time to think like that. So it kind of, it was, um, that was kind of a, a moment where we thought, okay, it's over. Was there ever a point, yeah, where you're like, oh, this is just so not good. It's going to kill anything. Yes. If, really. Yes. Yeah, we all, we all got on the phone. We were like, and I think we even got on the phone with Karen and we were like panicked, you know, because you think, yay, when they finally decided to make it a single, we were like, yay, this is so cool. And then it was like, okay, it's going to be one of those that dies in the 50s. Yeah, that was, a, you know, good try. But so it was amazing to see what it did. And, and you never did, gave up. Oh, and a bit it was me being obnoxious, but mostly it was me believing that the song was fantastic. It was a perfect, well, even you. a perfect storm for me. Because again, there was, I don't have this, you know, amazing... Uh, song predicting machine in me. I miss some, but I always like to take out, you know, take risks on songs that I love and artists that I love. But as that song, it it did almost die in the forties, yeah, like because no one would play it, no one would touch it, and it just kept getting researched. It kept getting re- this this crazy research. It's never accurate, but it's still used. And it, they just kept testing it, and then it just started to trickle. But what was happening was people were buying it. Yeah, and this is before the, the streaming really took over. People were buying it like crazy. So any station that wasn't really playing it, there was a story of consumption. So the label could go, go, hey, look at look at your area because we can see based on regions who's streaming and who's buying what. Wow. Yeah, it's broken down to that. You you go, oh well, let me look in your town. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And they could go to these markets and go, well, in Austin, Texas, it's the number it. one downloaded song. How are you not playing it? So that was really the story of how that song went from the '40s to getting back on the map. And it's just so amazing, and it goes back to it takes a village, right? Oh, so, <laughs> so many amazing people. how many people worked on that song. And if I remember, because I mean, I felt like a good few months of my life was in and around that song, <laughs> and I even tried to get away from it. And I remember telling Karen and Kimberly, like, don't don't talk about me anymore about the song because you have other radio companies going. Yeah. Oh, if it's, if Bobby was in on the song early, I don't want anything to do with it. So I said, hey, don't feel like you owe me anything. Just you don't even know me right now. Yeah. So go in and and push the song, and as it started to climb, you know, top fifteen, top ten, it was such a monster that it was undeniable. Uh-huh. It, it was such a monster. And then they were in, and I said, hey, what's up? Did, did you guys write this as before a write with Karen yeah. or something? Is that, is that what happened? Yeah. 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 We wrote it that morning. Um, uh, it was early, and Lori said, hey, I got a song idea. I want to write. I want to write Girl Crush. And I was like, no, we're not writing Girl Crush. It sounds, that sounds like we'd really have to think of it. We don't have very much time. Lori's going, no, 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 no. I mean, it's like, you know, that hashtag we see, Girl Crush. I mean, come on, we could write it. It'd be really cool. And, I, and as I'm telling her, no, Lori, that sounds like we don't have time to really, because it does sound like an idea that you really got to think about. And really, I didn't want to write a guy song. You know, and so in the meantime, Hillary came in and Lori said, and I know you've heard this story. Lori said, Hillary, I want to write a song called Girl Crush. And Hillary literally sat down with the guitar and sang the first four lines of the song. And we both jumped on the couch and went, yes, let's write that. That's exactly what And I can remember we were talking so fast. And it's about the girl. And she, you know, she's got a crush on the girl, but not really because she wants the guy. And, and she can't have the guy. So she's talking about, you know, wanting to be that girl. And we, I mean, it, it happened so fast that I can remember we were just throwing things back and forth to get it written. And we wrote it in probably an hour and a half, two hours. Which is crazy fast for a song. 
So you got to tell me about this love junkie because I know you three, but I don't really know about how you guys started and where the, when the name happened. Like, were you three just randomly friends and wrote together? Did you decide you were going to be the? How'd that all come about? <clears throat> Lori and I had written for years, and and I had never written with Hillary. Um, is that right? Had I written? I may have written with Hillary a couple of times, but. They were trying to get Lori and Hillary together and get more dates with me and Hillary. So somebody, and I think it was Scott and Daniel, and I think it was all the publishers got together and said, what if we put Hillary and Lori and Liz together? Let's put them together right for a day. So we got together, and that day we wrote Sober, and we wrote Save Your Sin. Sober from Little Big Town. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And Save Your Sin from Little Big Town. And I think we were talking about um, a line in the song, and, and we were going, oh, we're just, you know, we're just a bunch of love junkies. And I was like, that's our name, love junkies. We're going to be the love junkies, or, you know. And so we just started um, talking about that. And we're going to write, we're going to do this all the time. And then we started this, because uh, we had two days straight that we were writing together. And then we decided that they would come and stay with me, and we'd slumber party and write for three days. Like a camp. Yeah. Because Hillary's in town, Lori's in Boston, and you're here. And so I guess Lori, uh, Lori has to come to town. I, do you guys ever go, because a lot of my friends go up to Lori's place in, in Boston and write her house. Does, do the Love Junkies ever convene at Lori's, or do you have your own same place? We've talked about it, but Hillary has a, a you know, a, a baby. She's yeah. got a little one. So, and, and Lori has a lot of them. So um, it's just, it just works better at my house and, and, I, we just, you know, it's worked so far, so we just decided not to mess with it. Back, and just one final thought on, on Girl Crush is that <clears throat> as it was all happening, and I'm watching things start to bubble, good, and depending on what you think is bad, I think controversy is awesome if no one's getting hurt. Like, I love controversy. Right. You, you might think that. I do. As no, long no. As, as, long, as long as no one's getting hurt and there's nothing illegal happening, yeah. I, I love controversy. So. I'm staring at it going, this may actually lift this song, is, is people knowing about it and then buying it. And they, uh, um, Kimberly Karen had come in and gave me, gave me a Girl Crush hat. And I thought, well, this is cool. I'll wear the hat. And then I saw Chris Stapleton wearing the hat. It is kids. The kids. Yeah, and I thought, oh, okay, now it's artist cool, so it, it's going to be cool for everybody else. <laughs> it drips down. You know, the artists go, this is cool. And then we would look at it and go, oh, the artist thing is cool. And then it drips down to our people. <laughs> so I thought when Chris Stapleton was wearing the hat in a picture – I thought, okay, they, they got it. At least they've got a real shot yeah. at making this a big old hit now. Yeah. That that's a, that was cool. That this town really uh, got behind it. I, I do. I have a plaque over there too. A girl crush. When it, yes. whenever it hit half a million, and then it's hit way beyond that. Then, but I don't. I don't have many plaques. I might have five total. And in the room, I have Kelsey's number one because, you know, Kelsey and my relationship early. We we I took her on her first tour. You know, I. Love Me Like You Mean It was kind of a girl crush project to me, too. I just thought it was there. And so I kept. Yeah, that's and awesome. And then uh, Scotty McCurry's Five More Minutes, he didn't have a record deal. And so before the song was even released, I started playing it. It got him a record deal. Then it became a number one. So I think I have three plaques in here. I think I have Chris Jansen somewhere else. But yeah, that's one of the songs that I really am proud that I could just be a part of. And what's so amazing is that all of that is based on you being a champion of a song. It's not, you know what I mean? I mean, that's pretty amazing. I feel like, you know, I miss, but I don't ever miss in my heart, if that makes right, sense. Like, right, 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 right. I miss because I just think, well, maybe it just wasn't the right time for this, but I love it. I, I, I will not 
also on that same note, go to go to a bat for a song that someone would be like, this is my song, I need you to do me a favor. No. I can't do it. No. I feel like no one brought me in to be the music guy either. So the music thing is just a passion. Yeah. I'm brought in to be the guy that talks about interesting things, be funny, you know, uh, talk about the news. No one had any interest in me breaking music ever. And so that I'm able to do it is just a bonus. I never wanted to program radio stations. I never wanted to. The, some of these other big platforms to say, hey, come run the whole platform. You know, exactly. there's like a streaming. But I don't, I don't ever want to program. Yeah. I want to be able to create and then also and push what you support. want. Yeah. Right, right. It's like, it's almost like song plugging. It's like pitching songs. It's, it was always hard to pitch a song you didn't like, you know, because you can't sit there and look at somebody and go, this is a great yeah. song. And, and they're feel, going, you feel oh. disingenuous to yourself. Yeah. You're like, yeah. yeah. It feels kind of dirty. I look at you. Uh, let me talk about Bombus for one second. Now, this is cool because how often do you think about your socks? If you're like, I used to be probably not that much, but there are socks that are really awesome. They're called Bombas, B-O-M-B-A-S. Bombas are what I think, at least when I look at my sock drawer, the most comfortable sock that I have. They're made from premium cotton. They stay warm in the winter, cool in the summer, and every pair comes in with a built-in blister tab, an innovative arch support, and stay-up technology, which is important too, especially if you're moving around. There's a seamless toe. You get that seam in your toes and you can't separate your toes. Many colors, patterns, length styles. Bombas look great in the gym, at the office, and out of town. Bombas are what feet daydream about. And with every purchase you make, Bombas donate a pair to someone in need, which is a great thing. So keep cool, keep comfortable, and keep contributing with the best socks in the history of feet. Bombas, buy your Bombas at bombas.com slash bones. B-O-M-B-A-S. Bombas.com slash bones. You'll get 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash bones. Do the slash bones thing too, because one, you'll get the 20% off, but two, it helps us. And helps them be a sp- continue to be a sponsor. But they are great. Bombas.com slash bones. There. Okay, so I answered the door and I was singing Cry Pretty to you. Because the song right now is, I love it. Love Thank it. you. Thank love you. It. Love it. Go to that. You brought up Crazy Girl earlier mm-hmm. from Eli Youngman. So you said this one was the start of the next chapter for you. Now why so? Well, you just, you know, when you win... I mean, the Taylor stuff was so good, and it was I got so lucky. And you know, we when you're sitting at the Grammys, and you know, you win a Grammy, and you win, you know, you're like going, okay, well, that was fun, that was over. Um, you know, and it's hard to, it's 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 hard, it's hard to get a hit, and then it's hard to get a nomination because there's so many great songs, you know. So suddenly this five-year-old song was a hit i mean it, it this one here yeah i and mean also was that it, it took that long huh yeah and we uh we wrote it for lee i thought we were writing it for lee bryce who's we me and lee okay i wrote it with lee and i thought we were writing it for lee and then um his song comes out um crazy help me it's another crazy song uh Old brain, sorry. Um, so I was like, well, he's never going to cut that. But this new band, Eli Young Band, wanted it. And and Lee was holding on to it. And then I think they kept asking, and he finally was like, yeah, cool. Y'all go cut it. And, um, you know, we had no idea. We had absolutely no idea. I would never ask you to name a name, nor am I here. But here's the situation. You have a song, Crazy Girl-esque. And an artist comes along, and you're like, I just, this song is too good. 
Oh, no, I would never do that. Really? I don't do that. Do people? Is that a thing? I, I don't know, but I don't do that. I Look, a cut is a miracle. And I can remember writers that were not very happy about a, this band called the Dixie Chicks when they started cutting songs in town. And I saw how that happened. And what did I, you see? Just how, you know, I, I just... I was I was working for people that were like, you know, yeah, this band, these girls called the Dixie Chicks have my song on, you know, hold, and I don't know. And so I kind of learned from that. I learned from watching other writers, you know, because you write a song, and sometimes you think, well, a lot of writers think that it should go to the top and first, and pluggers think that, and publishers think that, and that's the right way to think. I can't afford to think that way. And I, if they're, if they're talking like that, I let them go do it, but I don't cast songs as a writer. I just, I write it and I send it out into the world and whatever happens happens. I mean, half the time I don't even know a song's been cut. Is that right? It's, it's sometimes you just get a song produced and it's like, Hey, we cut your song. Yeah. Is that right? I don't, I mean, it's crazy. And, and, and as a publisher, I don't, I don't always know all our songs that are getting cut. They have to tell me. Um, one was playing the other night, and so he said, what do you think about your so-and-so cut? And I was like, oh, is that ours? I'm just busy. I'm busy. I have a life, and, you know, I'm I'm trying to keep up with all my writers, and luckily they're all getting cut. So it's, you know, and it's stuff that's not out, or it just came out last week. But so... Um, what I, song are you talking about specifically? Do you want to tell us or no? Uh, I, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> it's interesting because you have a publishing company, and I wouldn't have known what that was until recently. So you pay writers mm-hmm. to write songs, mm-hmm. hoping that those songs will make you more money than what you're paying the writers. It's right. a business. Right. So what, who writes for you, and how many writers do you have? Uh, well, I have Emily Shackleton, who just wrote, who wrote uh, Every Little Thing with Carly and Busby. Um, I ha- and she's been with me seven years since we started. So that's your song. I'm talking about Carly and that song. Is that your... Every Little Thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's about the dude. Yeah. The dude's in town somewhere. Yes, yeah. yeah. You yeah. don't even know. I don't know. Or do you? I don't know who he is. No, no, no. I don't. I don't. Um... um Let's see. Phil Barton, the fabulous Phil Barton. I know him well. We wrote a kid song together. When it's I, my favorite song. When I, when I grow, grow up, 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 I can be whatever. What's crazy about that song is I wrote probably a third of that in my sleep, and I still have the voice memo. Oh, I, love I woke song. up and I was like, because I, I wanted to do a kid's record. I wanted to inspire kids. Oh. I wanted to be inspirational, motivational, and I took my phone out. I don't know how to write. I, I mean, really, I just, I just say things and write things down, but I don't know how to write. And I took my phone out, and I went, boop, and I hit record. And I was like, I want to be a fireman. And I hit it, and I sent Eric Pasley a text. I said, Eric, who's a friend of mine, dear friend, I said, I would, you, would you write this song with me? I'm doing a kid's record. And he's like, yeah. He goes, I want to bring this guy along. I said, who is that? He goes, you will love him. <laughs> he's like, he's from another country. He's from Australia. He said, he used to do Thomas the Tank songs. He'd be on Thomas the Tank tour. And that's all right. So me, him, and Phil Barton wrote When I Grow Up, and <sighs> I play. I still. We play. I'm it. so jealous. I make Phil play it at every show. And he does. And people send me <laughs> uh, tweets all the time. They're like, "This dude's playing your song." I was like, "That dude wrote the song with me." I know. Yeah. I sing along, and we. Oh, it's so much fun. I love that song so much. And Phil's great. He's 
fantastic. And he gets a lot of Canadian cuts. He gets a ton of Canadian cuts, a ton of Canadian singles. Is that just an area that he's kind of waded in and he knows the people to work with to get that, like corner that market? You know, it's, yeah, but it's really amazing. They just, he just, he's like me. He says yes. Yeah. And he got on this Canadian thing where he said yes. And every time an artist comes to town, if, you know, Phil has to write at eight o'clock at night or a Saturday or Sunday, he's there. And so, um, you know, that's why that's working for him. Um, so he's doing great. He's been with us forever. Um, Emily, Phil, Emily, Phil, Cameron Bedell, who's fantastic and, and fairly new, but doing really well. He got a couple of cuts, I think a couple of weeks ago, um, just, you know, new acts and which is, and you just kind of have to wait and see if it's going to come out and what's going to happen. Um, my brain. What are you doing with Where Seth Ennis? Seth Ennis. Seth has a new song out. Uh-huh. So, but how? What's you guys' relationship? We're his publisher. Okay. We're we're a, we're a co-vidger with Warner Chapel. Got it. Um, Seth is our boy. I'm really I know Seth excited. From you. Yeah, yeah. Because you're like, hey, you should listen to Seth. And I yeah. met Seth actually for the first time this last weekend. He was playing outfield for. I never met him before. I don't really? Know, I don't know Seth. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't know anybody. Liz. He is the nicest kid in the whole wide world. I, I mean, I, I don't know Seth. Do I? We, we haven't met. No. Uh, I have to ask Mike if I know him. You know. Well, you'll I mean, have I to have him sure. come talk about "Call Your Mama" because it is um, that song is killer. So great. You have all these writers that write for you, and is that a lucrative business? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> you, are you doing okay? Um. I mean, we're new. We're new. We're doing okay though. Everybody, you know, Seth has a new song out and. And Phil's doing really well, and and Emily's doing really well, and um, what are Jeff Middleton? Do you know Jeff Middleton? Mm, I do not. He was in the Dirt Drifters. Do you remember the Dirt mm-hmm. Drifters? Okay, well, Jeff wrote with us for a while, and um, he's not with us anymore, but we're very close to him. We're very good friends. He has a new Jason Aldean single. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so that's ours. So what? Yours? Is, you have Drowns of Whiskey? Uh huh. That's your song. Mm-hmm. Oh, you'd be printing money with that one. Hey, look, I mean, it's just like, turn the money machine on, folks. I That's know, a good one, huh? I know. And um, so we had Jeff Middleton, so we have his catalog. Um, we have a Dutch um, female producer named Femka, who is amazing. Um, I'm, I'm, I feel that's like all right. I'm, I don't even want to press yeah, you anymore so because you might miss, awesome. but I'm cutting you off on purpose. Yeah. So anybody she didn't say, it's because I stopped her. <laughs> you wrote God Made Girls with Ray, Lynn, and... Someone who I really like is Nicole Gallion. Like yeah. she's just—I I mean, I like Ray Lynn too. But as, as a writer, Nicole's done this before. Um, something that we, when Weird Al parodies you, because I was looking at some of the Weird Al parodied, parodied one of the Taylor songs. That mm-hmm. what he did? That's the story that they're gonna feature with you exclusive this? pics of your flabby behind. You think you're all alone, but it's that's right when you'll find a bunch of paparazzi popping out of nowhere. So, you didn't know this, huh? I think I got an email that he was going to do it. But so he didn't ask you? Cause we're not... I think he did. Oh, okay. I'm sure he did. I'm sure I got something. They just, nobody tells me. I do remember this. You do now? It was a long time ago. It was. I'm a big Weird Al fan because when I was a kid, I was listening to all the Weird Al. And that was a big inspiration for me. And I do a lot of some parodies. Yes. But as I was going through, I was like, oh, Weird Al did a, did a Liz song. I thought that was, but you don't, do you make any money off that? 
I don't know. You don't know? You don't know? You don't, I don't, I don't pay attention to that. I just. You have a good business manager? Yeah, I have a great business manager. <laughs> yeah. I have a great business manager. Isn't it crazy? I mean, you know, I, it comes in and I put it in the publishing company. So, you know, that's, I just, I just keep going. Can I, you know, go to Nordstrom a couple of times a month? You know, I just wait until they tell me no. I don't know. How do you feel about the female stuff happening right now? Uh, as in, I don't know. I'd ask that. That's so broad because I just wanted to see where you go. I think I. I don't. I. Well, first of all, I'm older, so I'm realistic, and I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot in my life, and so I'm probably a little bit. You know, put on your big girl pants, girl. Um, I I I do like some of the things that are changing and happening. And then when you go to the the music business side, um, I think there's some great females out there. I think that female we can't get away with following each other. Females can't get away with copying what's hot. They have to be a hundred percent better than the boys, and they have to be more. Uh, uh, what's the word different, whatever, you know, um, you can't put out a bunch of females that are alike that follow each other. It just doesn't work. And I don't know why. Is it a bit unfair that all the dudes sound the same? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's unfair. It just means you have to be better. It means you have to invent yourself and, and you have to, you have to follow your own path. Taylor, followed her own path you know everybody thought it was going to be like leanne rhymes but it wasn't she followed her own path Marin follows her own path casey follows her own path um you know little big town sticks to their path carrie has her lane miranda has her lane i mean i think you have to do that and um i don't think it's anything that that you can i don't think it's fair or unfair you either strike a no accord with someone and they go, okay, you know, we can make this, we can give this a shot or you just don't. I mean, I don't know, you know, I, I work with a couple of female artists and, and it's frustrating, but you just, I just, I, I came back with our songs have to be better. The music has to be better. And when it's better, you'll get your shot. I don't think it's fair that it can't be, equally as good to get the same results. Now, I, th- I don't think just in music, but I'm talking about the world. It's, right, it's, right, right, right. No, you're, you're talking yeah. about a culture problem from the beginning where a man and a woman are doing the same job and a man is making a dollar and a woman's making 70 cents. And, yeah, that's not fair. And it's what's happening right now. All things are equal. It's, it's going to the male. Right, but it's always been that way. And it, but that's that doesn't not okay. make it right, though. No, but, it doesn't make right. it right. So looking at it, you go... I understand why, which is what you're saying. Like, this is yeah. the environment that I'm in and how I'm going to work in it. I look at it and go, well, maybe I can help change the culture for three, seven, eleven years from now. Right. I'll tell you something that happened without saying a name. Because it's a it's a really dicey thing for me to have to have stepped out and publicly said, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to help change the culture of females. And I'm I watching. think that's fantastic. Well, it comes with a lot of people upset behind the scenes, too. Really? So... There was a, there's a female artist. Um, it's no one I've dated. <laughs> I just want to say that now. That was my next <laughs> it, question. It's no one I've dated. <laughs> but someone I know. And this female artist sent a song to one of whatever 
whatever a gatekeeper is, you know, someone who runs one of the big either radio companies or streaming platforms mm-hmm. or, or satellite. There are all these different different entities. There are like five of them, right? And there's like a gatekeeper at each of them. And so she sent one of a song to the one of the gatekeepers, and she said, "Hey, you're going to do a song. What do you think about it?" And he goes, "Oh, you're a female. Why don't you just have Bobby play it?" Oh, and I have the text message because she screenshot it and sent it to me, and she said, "Hey, listen." I think what you're doing is awesome, but now people are holding it against us in other areas. That you're so it makes me not want to do anything. Like that's that's, that's the problem for me is like I I'm trying to help, but then I see sometimes my what I try to do actually affects things in a negative way. Yeah, but you got to just keep doing what you're doing. That's just one person. But it's a big one. It's a big person. Well, it's someone that you would go, oh my god, like that's who's running this thing, mm. and it would really fr- it would frustrate everybody. And it's almost to the point where I would just go and post it online and be like, here it is. Yeah. But then I'm what not gets trying, that gonna and do? I'm not yeah. trying to get in the programming yeah, yeah, yeah. racehorse business. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to outprogram people. So that's frustrating when I see that happening to female artists just because they're female. And that's are, crazy. And it makes me not want to do as much because I don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah, but you gotta stick I mean, you're doing stuff for guys too. Yeah, you know, I so, am. so I don't have to be as obnoxious though, because I can just go, here's a good song. With females, I have to go, here's a good song, and you need to pay extra attention to it and not be a douche. A bunch of you male PDs who are scared to... It's just that So did you play the song? She sent it to him. I had never heard the song. Oh. It's a new song that she's like, hey, she sent it to this guy, to, this head of whatever, to yeah. listen to, to give feedback. I still have never heard the song. Oh, wow. But she wanted to just... She's it. awesome. I mean, she's... I'm, trying, uh, I'm not leaning to... Okay, I'm d- no, 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 you don't have to. I'm just saying... She just she did that, and then she didn't even she just showed it to you and said, "Look what happened." Listen yeah. to this story. So I, my ex girlfriend is Lindsay, right? Mm-hmm. And we broke up because everyone was like, "Hey, we're not going to play her. She's dating Bobby. We can't have her be a success because it raises his profile." Isn't that crazy? Yeah. What is wrong with these people? So our relationship ends six months ago, right? Yeah. We're still friends. Um, it's a little sensitive at times with us because we never were planning to break up, never wanted to. Nothing bad happened between us, but we can't date. We've absolutely put a line that we're never going to date again. That's just how it goes because she needs her, she wants her career, but okay. that, that's why we stopped dating. So, but isn't that absurd that she has to do that, that you have to do that level one? Absolutely. Level two. She, I talked to her, I talked to her once a week or so still. And so she called me and she said, Hey, I'm not going to say a, a name or but she goes, they asked if we were still dating. And I was like, why would they even care? First of all, they shouldn't care to begin with. Secondly, they cared if we're, she wants, they don't know if we were secretly dating so they can punish you again. It's just not fair because a dude wouldn't have to go through no, this. No, guys don't have to go through it. It's amazing what guys get away with. And I think dating Lindsay showed me from a bit more of the inside what, what the female struggle is. And I'm very thankful for that relationship, if anything, for that part of it. Because yeah. I was able to see through her day-to-day that it's a whole different ballgame for females. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I've had people ask me... Um, I mean, when, when you're working with a female artist, the first thing they say is, well, we got too many girls over here or, you know, and you go, okay, well, this one's going to be different and better. And that's cool. You know, and, and, and I've had people ask me that, ask me, you know, what, uh, what job do you think, what, what is, what have men kept you from doing in this business? And honestly, I can say nothing that I know of, you know, because I never looked at it as male or female, the things that, you know, the jobs I did, I just did them, you know? Um, but I see the struggle for female producers. Um, 
even less than songwriters are the number of female producers. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's going to change. It's 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 changing. I think it's. I, I really think it's going to change. And don't you think a bit? I just go to the culture all the time. That it's a lot of times it's little girls not being told that these are options for you, and not assumed that that, that young girls would want to get into music business. Same thing with astronauts. I was reading a story about how you know you go to Walmart in the boys section. There are all these NASA shirts. There are none in the girls' section. That's culture. That's like, true. That's what we're seeing. And even though someone's not going specifically to you going, hey, you can be an astronaut, it's also not being put in front of you equally as it is. Yeah, that's true. So that's always mine. Like, I'll try to affect the culture because I'm not going to affect tomorrow. I yeah. can't. You yeah. know, I don't think any of us can really affect tomorrow. No, no. But, but you know, I think so much is happening now that, you know, it, it Maybe my grandkids won't. It won't be as hard. And it, it won't be. I, I mean, we've seen it get better until the world ends. I mean, it could be in the next hundred years for sure. For sure. I mean, it's changed dramatically. But it, you know, it takes one person like you in your job. If if one person does it in each job, you know, um, it it'll start changing. If you don't, if you don't go, well, there's nothing I can do about it. You know, but you're doing something. You know, so I, I guess that's. I don't know. I think it's just hiring more girls, make sure they get paid properly like the boys. It's also and a common sense thing. My staff, I have eight people on my staff. Four of them are females. I wish seven of them were females. They're so much smarter. They work better. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Mike. Okay. But I'm just saying. All that aside, all the equality. Like they're just, well, by just the better. way, they'll just go. They'll do any job, by the way. They, don't, they never go, well, that's not my job. Right. Well, some of them do, but that's a whole different story. Yeah. So in my radio studio, I have your, your record, Swimming Alone. Mm-hmm. That, so tell me, because again, you, I have never heard you define yourself as a, just a pure listen, listen to me be an artist. Oh, yeah, because well, I'm not. So you created this record. So yeah. tell me about this. Well, I over, over the last maybe four years, I started four years ago. I started coming up with these titles and when I would try to think about writing them, I couldn't do it with co-writers. I, I, I couldn't do it and write them to be pitched. And the first one I came up with was swimming alone. And, and anytime I would think about writing it, I would like, I would like, I, I've got to write, that's my life. I got to write my story. And, uh, my, my daughter, Caitlin Rose, who's a singer songwriter said, let's, let's write that. You need to write that. That's your story. Because my mom used to say that they couldn't find me when I was two, and I was out in the backyard swimming alone. And then one Mother's Day, I was living in Dallas, and none of my kids, it was like 1.30, and none of my kids had called me yet. And so I was just out in the pool floating around by myself. And when my daughter, Caitlin, called, I was complaining. I was like, nobody called me. You know, I was just out there swimming alone. She goes, Mom, you need to write that song. Go ahead and write that song. So that's what started it. And then I had these, you know, these, I kind of dug into my, my life. I, I'd never done that writing songs. I'd already always written somebody else's story. Um, so it was really fun to write Yellow Room and. Here's the Yellow Room right here. Let me play it. Wild and overgrown. And I can't call you. Like, I, I see you getting a little emotional over there. Well, it's about my dad. So. I miss seeing you sit 
I thought you were swatting a fly at first. No, no, that's about my dad. So. Still personal, huh? Uh, I still hear it. It still feels fresh. Yeah, because I don't listen to these. I don't listen to these very often. Um, so, but that was, you know, those those are my life. Those, all those songs are my life. I wrote that with uh, Natalie Hemby and Caitlin Smith. And Lori helped me finish Swimming Alone, and, I, and my brother was on it. So it was fun. It was fun to just dig through and write them. And then, you know, I have five brothers and sisters and, and my mom, so then I had to go play it for them and, and uh, see what they had oh, to say yeah. about it. But- and... Uh, and unknowingly, the first song I wrote for it was Sacred Ground with the Love Junkies. Sacred ground, sacred ground, sacred ground. Swimming alone. Feel a bit more vulnerable putting out a record yourself? Yeah, it was, it, but I didn't, I didn't, you know, first of all, that Mac McAnally said, I want to produce this. Second of all, that, that people like Jody Williams and, 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 and Mac and, and my kids said, go ahead and write it. And then I was going to have Lori and Natalie and Hillary and all of them sing it. And um, Mac went, uh-uh, these are your songs. You don't have to be the best singer in the world. Go sing your songs. So that was kind of, that was scary. Um, and then I just didn't, I didn't really go for the, you know, I just really kind of did it for myself and I do it, you know, I have it at shows sometimes and it felt really good. It felt really good. And I felt like I wrote everything I wanted to write and, um, I probably will never do it again because I, I got, I, I, who knows, who knows, but I, I got to write all the songs I wanted to write. It was fun and tell the stories. Plugger, publisher, (laughs) Number one writer, Grammy winner. Crybaby. <laughs> and I was too scared to invite you up. I thought you'd say no. <laughs> and I'm so, and, and, and just all honesty, we're booked out for a long time in the show, right? Yeah. I, I mean, people, where we had to beg people at first to do this, now it's, I'm proud of it because people are going, so awesome. hey, can I get in? And we're like seven weeks out. And we're like, yes, we'll get you on December of two, you know. <laughs> so you literally asked me on Saturday and you're here on Wednesday and I hope, like, even if you don't know, that's the amount of respect and admiration Thank that I have you. for what you do. Well, and I love you. How kind you've been to me when you didn't have to be. I'm trouble sometimes, you know. And so, yeah, I appreciate that. Well, yeah, thank you. I love you. Well, thank you. And and tell tell the whole world I said hello. Maybe I should oh, get yeah. Seth up here sometime. You should. You know, Seth also has a, a top twenty with um with Hooked. Oh, Dylan Scott. Mm-hmm. Oh, who, oh, is that right? Is that yeah. yours? Seth, yeah, Seth. Oh, well, Seth. Seth wrote it. It's but, ours. But I mean, yeah. that's yours. Yeah. Isn't that dude. crazy? Like, when did you buy that money machine? When did? <laughs> when did it print all the time? Or is, is... And I'll tell you. I mean, I, I, the, my, I have to say this: that my most proudest moment of anything I've ever done will be this year at the BMI Awards to and, get on stage to what not and watch Emily Shackleton get her first BMI Award. That's what you do it for. That's mm-hmm. why I'm, you know, that's probably why I was a writer. That's why I'm a publisher. So that's going to be pretty amazing. Well, I think we've said all the things. We've done an hour. We did? Yeah. Awesome. I could sit here with you, like, for two days and talk. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 125 from Liz Rose. You have a really inspirational story. 
Thank and you. I like your method. You just and maybe because I, I adhere to the similar method, just put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Like well, I, I love that. I just, love that. Just go. Yeah. Just go. It's the and, falling up mentality. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes things aren't going to work right, but you know what? When it doesn't work right, you're going to learn a lot from why it didn't work right, and that yeah. will, you can put that into the basket when it does work right. Yeah. So yeah, I admire that. One twenty-five episode. One twenty-five. Liz Rose. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Bobby.